Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. At the dawn of the 21st century, the Army began a top-secret experiment. Meet Joe Bowers, our first subject for the human hibernation experiment. As you know, this is highly classified. However, if successful, we believe humans can be stored indefinitely. However, the trial run was prone to human error. See you in a year. And Joe slept slightly longer than expected. Half a millennium, to be exact. From Mike Judge, creator of Office Space and Beavis and Butthead. Oh my God! If you were the smartest person in the world... This goes in your mouth. This one goes in your butt. Hang on a second. This one, this one goes in your mouth. And we're stuck with the dumbest people in history. If you have one bucket that holds two gallons, and another bucket that holds five gallons, how many buckets do you have? Two? All right, now that's just a trick question, and I will not abide by those. Oh yeah, it's time for Science Factual, episode 8, all about idiocracy. That's right, today we take a look at the Petri dish that is the Mike Judge classic, Idiocracy. And it is a bit weird to reference a movie from 2006 as a classic, but this flick definitely fits the bill. You're welcome to some big-ass fries, but get your nearest toilet chair for this week's episode and watch out for your balls. Because, of course, we're going to get into some facts behind the movie, as well as a dope-ass interview with fellow Portland comedian Kyle Adams. We met up before the open mic at Kelly's Olympian to talk about the film and get in on one of the first open mics of 2022. You'll get to hear some of his set, just in case you missed it. But before we get into how Joe Bowers ended up as the smartest guy on Earth, I have to issue a spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Sponsored by Brondo, it's got what you need. Fucking electrolytes. And contrary to my previous statement, the movie actually uses some of the more mild curse words on the spectrum, opting for words like ass or over bitch or fuck or whatever the hell you want to put in there, which brings a more sophomoric vibe to the film than a vulgar one, uh, which I feel contributes to why the film is funnier than it is sad or prophetic, although to a degree it most certainly is prophetic. Basically, all that is to say that is if you're not familiar with Idiocracy or just Mike Judge's humor in general, it may be a good time for you to click over to something more like the Baton channel or, ow, my balls. Yeah, that's a good one. Here's a fact for you. I got way too drunk before writing today's episode, and I'm battling through horrible typos and half-witted thoughts in order to bring you the closest facsimile to the movie I possibly could. That's how dedicated I am to you, my listeners. I will get shit-can hammered if the job requires it. Just you wait. In all attempted seriousness, though, here are some interesting facts about the film Idiocracy. The whole film started with a visit to Disneyland. Uh, that actually sparked the initial idea, though Mike Judge had been jotting down some ideas for a movie about evolution as far back as 1995. The idea that would become Idiocracy all came together in 2001 on a trip to Disneyland of all places. Judge and his daughters were waiting in line at the Alice in Wonderland ride when according to Judge, somebody behind me had a stroller and two little kids and her and this other woman with two little kids was passing by. I guess they'd had an altercation, and they just start getting in this cussing match with each other. Just, you know, bitch this and that, but, you know, just yelling and like, you know, I'll kick your ass and all this and that. And I was just sitting there thinking, wow, the Disneyland of that was envisioned way back in the 50s and, you know, to right now. And what, he's, what he means to say is that, you know, it... it all of this was foretold in so far as like how consumerism would just become this facade that we all pretend to enjoy, but underneath is bubbling this, you know, real feel of society and what it does to us as people. The filming was predominantly done in Austin, Texas, so Judge could remain close to his family. 
Uh, he didn't think he'd return to film after the dismal box office failure of Office Space and wanted to spend as much time with his family as possible during filming instead of dedicating another stretch to a potential failure, which it nearly was due to a series of setbacks, miscommunications, and marketing issues despite the eventual rise of the film to a cult classic. At the beginning of the movie, when we're seeing Cleavon's family tree erupt into madness, uh, there are a few questionable branches. Mike Judge's animated father and son, Hank and Bobby Hill, are there. There are some animal representatives in a dog, chimp, and a goat. Lastly, despite it making zero sense, unless there's more time travel involved than we get to see with the time machine, that's spelled M-A-S-H-E-E-N, uh, there's Donald Rumsfeld in the tree, George W. Bush, and Condoleezza Rice. Various other sources have different lists of people they've spied in the extensive tree, so get your magnifying glasses out and pause to see if you can find even more weirdness in the Cleavon clan. Uh, I know I've seen some funny ones in there, so I definitely encourage people to press the pause button and check that out. It is uh, rather extensive. When Joe and Rita end up in the giant garbage mountains they're freed from when a certain little object begins the great garbage avalanche of 2505, surely any subsequent object would have tilted the overhanging pile, but the thing that did it was in fact a perfectly recyclable aluminum can. It has no greater significance and isn't part of some recycling theme throughout the movie, just a nice kick in the guts for anyone lamenting Earth being used as a trash heap, which... To be honest, it most certainly is. Even now, and I would assume if we make it, most certainly in 2505. Terry Crews had to audition five times, some say even seven times, in order to become President Camacho. Terry Crews is up against some pretty big names uh, to land the role of President Camacho, according to the actor. Quote, he met with Mary Vergneau, the casting agent, and it took him five different auditions, but... He seemed to nail it each time, he said in 2021. It was like, dude, I am Camacho. Like, it got to the point where it's like, dude, if you find someone better, just give it to them. Uh, he actually told them that. By the way, uh, Com President Camacho's full name is Dwayne Alizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. That is the president's whole name. Good thing we just had to call him President Camacho. That's a little preview of my morning shock jock DJ Coming at you live with more facts. Okay, um, only taking on the role if he could remain silent to avoid a SAG card, Andrew Wilson, who played the legendary Beef Supreme during Monday Night Rehabilitation. This odd casting quirk came about due to Andrew having recently helped his brother Owen Wilson out of a deep depression that he blamed the Screen Actors Guild for. Thus, he avoided getting involved with them, but was able to star alongside his other brother, Luke Wilson. Throughout my research, I often saw the question posed, who played Upgrade? Uh, or Upgrade? Uh, that would be Texas rapper Scarface. Uh, the rapper is friends with director Mike Judge in real life and previously collaborated with Judge on the Office Space soundtrack, which you can hear in the closing credits. Speaking of Upgrade... Maya Rudolph, who joined SNL in the year 2000, had been featured in only one film before Idiocracy. That would be uh, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler vehicle, 50 First Dates, uh, filmed in 2004. And then uh, it was it was filmed the same year, but released before Idiocracy. It's also a, it's called A Prairie Home Companion. I'm unfamiliar with it, uh, but it was released the same year as Idiocracy. Alumni from Mike Judge's other cult classic, Office Space, make appearances within this idiotic future. Michael Bolton slash David Herman and Milton slash Stephen Root both find themselves in this particular future. Herman as a member of President Camacho's cabinet and Root as a judge, respectively, both get to be hilarious in their relatively short parts, playing thorough idiots in power. That power? Brought to you by Carl's Jr., of course. I mean, duh, you get paid every time you mention them. Judge was actually surprised that so many companies allowed their names to be used in the film. Carlton Cigarettes and Walmart didn't allow for their logos to be mocked, but everybody else did. Judge thought that there was no way they were going to be allowed to lampoon most of the other companies mentioned in the script, 
until the studio's lawyers helped him. Judge recalled that when he talked to them about Starbucks clearance issues, the lawyer said, quote, well, it would help if you didn't pick on just one company and if you did more than one, end quote. Based on that advice, Judge and Cohen added the red light district, which included Starbucks with the likes of H&R Block's tax return and relief. He said, I couldn't believe it all cleared. Every logo in the future is transformed in some way except one. That's right, Fox News maintains the same logo throughout 500 years of decline. Whether the statement is true that it's timeless, correlated, or responsible in some way, I would say the latter, for things being the way that they are, isn't addressed. The hosts of Fox News are hardly dressed either, uh, some being buff, the other little more than eye candy for viewers, as they deliver vapid teleprompter-led reports and struggle to turn toward the videos they're presenting out of sheer stupidity. Other companies include Buttfuckers instead of Fuddruckers, uh, which I used to go to as a kid, Jack in a Box, Intelli, Google My Google, which really just sounds like a sex cam site, uh, Carl's Jr. is the same, Costco is also the same but super huge, and yes, there is still a tire section, you can also get your law degree there, uh, there's acne insurance, uh, and when Joe mentions wanting a Starbucks, uh, he's told that they don't have time for a hand job. You know, extra foam only costs $500 million. Uh, by the way, this is a good point to mention that Joe's nickname uh, for his, quote, faggy speech and behavior was given to him by Frito Pendejo, which roughly translate into Spanish as fried dumbass. Some more examples of warped branding are the Viralade Gastropill, Bonarax Extradine, Brondo, the first mutilator, of course, Nasty, it's, quote, good, and Omnibro. Walmart actually declined to have their company logo included as well, uh, for no shame shall ever fall upon the Walton family and the history of their greed and malice, aka the American dream. In the end, the studio essentially buried the film. The studio's marketing team didn't create much fanfare around the release of Idiocracy. They didn't send out any press kits, and Wilson and Rudolph didn't do any press for the film. After sitting on the shelf for nearly a year, Idiocracy was finally released on September 1st, 2006, but only to 130 theaters, none of which were located in big markets like New York or San Francisco. It made a measly $177,559 during its opening weekend, and just $444,093 throughout its brief theatrical run. You know when you have to get down to the numerical figure... Uh, at the at the minimal dollar amount is when you didn't have a really good run. Um, the New York Times published some theories as to why the film didn't have a wider release, with one blogger posting that, quote, some of the sponsors may well have been unhappy with the way their products are placed and made some phone calls to higher-ups, end quote. A Fox spokesman said the decision came down to an executive decision from the chairman of the studio. Some believe the studio did the bare minimum required to fulfill a contractual obligation with Judge, requiring his movie to have any sort of theatrical release before being sold to DVD. In 2009, Judge himself told the Los Angeles Times that he thinks the studio learned from office space and simply opted to not waste their money on marketing it. The definition of a cult classic is that its original theatrical run was a blink-and-you-miss-it type situation. Due to the studio not knowing how to market it, or not being willing to, rather, it received a minuscule release to satisfy contracts and then went to DVD where it found an audience. As the world has gotten sillier and sillier, it has attracted more and more viewers, so odds are it will be, end up being the most successful film ever made at this rate. An error with the movie's title may have actually led to even fewer audience members than originally projected. According to Dax Shepard, who played Frito Pendejo, even moviegoers who wanted to see the film might have had trouble finding it. Quote, even in the theaters it did come out in, they didn't list it correctly with Movie Phone, Shepard told the AV Club, 
quote, I remember it was a big issue. They had listed it as untitled Mike Judge comedy with Fandango, so even people who wanted to go see Idiocracy couldn't even find it. For a time, you could have bought some Brondo, actually. In 2007, about a year after the movie's release, graphic designer slash omni-consumer products founder Pete Hotlet, whose company turns pop culture products into realities, teamed up with Redux Beverages, creators of Cocaine Energy Drink, to produce 10,000-plus cases of Brondo Energy Drink. Hotlet's key mandate was that the beverage needed to contain electrolytes and had to be, quote, alarmingly bright green. Um, I don't remember actually having any, but it seems reminiscent of basically any other energy drink because it will not only be bright green, but it will turn your pee bright green. Here are a couple of observational facts for you. The presidential RV for President Camacho has the number 28,000 or 28,000, which is the real tail number for Air Force One. Interesting. The very small Surgeon General's warning seen on Tarleton Cigarettes billboard reads, quote, Warning, the Surgeon General has one lung and a voice box, but he could still kick your sorry ass. When Joe is escaping from prison, he runs past a rusted-out DeLorean, an obvious nod to another time-traveling movie, Back to the Future, filmed in 1985, but that has actual time travel. The script was originally titled, quote, The United States of America, and the working title was 3001, perhaps a nod to the Stanley Kubrick 2001 or 3001, which is when Futurama takes place. Who knows? All right, folks, here's your main event, an interview with the very funny Kyle Adams. We met up before Kelly's Olympian Mike on Sundays at four. Uh, that's with varying hosts. This past week, it was with Jaron George, another super funny comic we'll be having on the show soon to talk about who knows what. Right, because that's a, he's the demon barber of Fleet Street. That's mm -hmm. the whole that's the whole title. Mm -hmm. I already issued a spoiler alert long before this in the in the show. So yeah. <laughs> I tend to every time, just to just to give people that heads up. Yeah. Now that there's too much of a spoiler alert regarding Idiocracy, it stands by itself. Yeah. Um, and that one, like, you can... I mean, there's not any big twists in it or anything, except the, like, the time machine part, but you could kind of... <laughs> you kind of guess that was going to happen. Yeah. That's... Uh, that's that's probably my... Well, that and... Um, the Nazis how he, and dinosaurs together. The Nazis and dinosaurs together was super funny. Mm -hmm. um, but the, and then the, the the dinosaurs at the UN. Or the un yeah yeah the, the un, un the yeah. un un, un right. Nazi the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, for those of you unfamiliar with the voice uh, that you hear other than mine, uh, now introducing Kyle Adams, <laughs> sponsored by Brando. It's got what you need. Big ass Kyle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You smell like French fries too. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's fair. It's good. I like it. I'm not I'm not saying it's bad. It's comforting, right? It's very comforting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um so we're here to talk about idiocracy. We're at Kelly's Olympian. Uh which sounds like there's a throwdown about to go down. Like it's mm -hmm. it seems like a, like a mud wrestling kind of name, but it's not. Yeah. It's a it's a Portland staple. It's a classic. Uh, super rad bikes hanging from the ceiling and stuff, mm -hmm. and then super funny comedians here in the in the stage room. Yeah, one of my favorite mics. I've been coming here like six years now. I think. And the first one I came to was Easter. Easter six years ago. It was Ooh, really nice. Yeah, nice. it was a nice room. Are you a gentile? I am. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Does Easter mean anything to you? Really? Not at all. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I, it's hard to say I'm a Gentile in, in the sense of, like, I'm just not, You're not, not Jewish. Jewish. That's, why, not that's Jewish. what I figured. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not religious in any sense. Gotcha. I, uh, Same disease. They tried to, like, they tried to make me Methodist when I was young. Uh, I think they were just looking for, like, community. But neither my mom nor my dad were super convinced. And I got kicked out of Sunday school when I was, like, eight for asking the, um, the Sunday school teacher why God doesn't talk to uh, people anymore. And yeah, that'll, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it, 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 it went from like, okay, if, if if God was talking to you, people somewhat took you seriously. Like, even if you were a figure such as Joan of Arc, like she wasn't necessarily a overt historical feature or you know figure before she went to this saying and was like, hey, 
God's telling me that like your guy, the guy that you like, should be king. And he's like, yeah, I like you. You should lead some military campaigns, fourteen year old girl. Um, <laughs> but you know, now it's like if you you hear God, you're like, okay, yeah, here's a dollar. Try not to spend it on heroin. You know, like <laughs> I don't funny. know. It's uh, I don't know. I think uh, sometimes when I watch like TikTok and stuff, I'm like. 14-year-old girls should be leading the charge for for wars. They, they're, they're very passionate. Very passionate. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. passionate. Have a very Storm and Norman <laughs> kind of outlook on getting shit done. Yeah, Greta Thunberg and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's a, I, I heard that uh, Norman Schwarzkopf was her idol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Brought her to the path of peace. All right, so uh, before we get into this, Kyle, what's your Instagram? My Instagram is Kyle Adams Comedy. Okay. All one word. All I think, one it's, word. I think it's lowercase as well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Can't change that now. <laughs> I tried no. to. Yeah. It's, can't it's do, all can't do anything case. about it now. Yeah. Well, you can, but then all of your past tags and stuff, you know. Don't work. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I gleaned mine off of another. There's a There was a handle called uh, at school underscore cahooter dot exe, <laughs> which I always thought was very funny. And I have uh, what I think are very funny school shooter jokes. And uh, he, um, he, well, I, pre- I presume that this is, that it's a, a male, that's very presumptuous of me. But this, the, whoever it was, posted some very spicy memes. Yeah, very spicy so, memes. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm at Reese underscore comedy dot exe. That's good. Yeah, my little tag in Florida was like, uh, you open up that file, you might get a fun little virus. That's right. You're, you you know. were doing uh, Florida comedy. Doing so Florida comedy, awesome. yeah. I never got to. I did um, I did go to one show, but uh, years before I started doing comedy, I went to a show at the Improv, I believe, or wherever it was sure. in, in um, Ebor. Whichever one was in Ebor. I, oh, man, Ebor City, yeah. Yeah, I lo- Ebor was my favorite place wow. in, in Tampa, besides like some of the beach, like Fort DeSoto and like some of the, the surrounding beaches. But, um, yeah, I, I went in, uh, I think the guy who was headlining his name is Zoltan. If I remember correctly, yeah, 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 yeah just like yeah, yeah. just like uh, dude, where's my car? Something along those lines, and it was just cool. I got to hang out in the green room for a bit. My uh, buddy who took me, he was doing a podcast where he was interviewing comics and stuff, and he was he, doing his own version of like a Howard Stern type show. His okay. stuff was kind of edgy, but sure. it was it was a lot of fun. So I got to like hang out and mess around with comedians in a, in a green room setting, and it was uh, yeah, yeah it kind of inspired me. It took me a few years to get to do it, but yeah, Ebor yeah. City's like Vegas. What happens in Ebor City comes home with you in the form of herpes and <laughs> cigar smell that never comes out of your clothing. Oh man, my uh, my Toyota Solara smelled like a cigar for years mm. because I uh, smoked a Maduro from Ybor City one time just in the like, hot box. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of fun. Nice. Yeah. yeah, Ybor City is a special kind of place. I've never seen so many trucks burn out in a row with no consequences <laughs> whatsoever. Just oh, like yeah, cops that line the street. They're just like, yeah, do your thing. You know, like, We'd rather you do it here than yeah, it's like the yeah. it's like the um, the cool mom the cool that mom. lets kids yeah. drink in her Ebor house. City yeah. is the cool mom of the Tampa St. <laughs> Pete area. It's true. Because St. Petersburg, you know, like it's it's got its it's got its bad areas for sure. Like I used to film. Uh, speaking of idiocracy, I used to film the progenitors mm-hmm. of the people that you see in that film. Uh, like the you know the. Uh, God, there was one. It was Rhino Productions. It was it literally. It, they must have based it off of the Key and Peel football team. There's the Rhinos. Yeah, the I orange. remember that with yeah. all the names. Yeah, right. And and like, dude, literally, it's this bright orange Rhino Productions. They're like a lead into the tier below UFC Fight Pass. Like they're not even a fight promotion that leads into UFC. It's like the guys that lead into the lead into. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, <clears throat> dude, these people could very well have been in the background. A videocracy. Oh yeah, like they, these are extras, but in real life, and that's the scary part. Mm-hmm. And I think like Mike Judge, he was at Disneyland, mm-hmm. and he, and he saw like two mothers uh, pushing like superbly overweight or like oversized babies in mm-hmm. their uh, strollers, and he's like, "That's what sparked the idea for the really? movie." Really, I didn't yeah, realize he, that. Yeah, he was just like, "Wow, this is where we're at right now," and he just ran with it as he does. That's really funny. And uh, just created this. That's a good sample size of how dumb people are if, if you just stare and look around Disneyland for a while right. like, I remember I remember even great like, people watching yeah exa- oh it is and, and it's a good gauge on like catching what the fads are mm. and stuff I remember like the first time I saw people wearing Crocs it was at Disneyland and just everyone was wearing Crocs I was like what the fuck are these weird <laughs> shoes yeah and it just uh, 
Yeah, that's that's funny. I didn't realize Disneyland was the uh, was the genesis of that. Well, as, as part of the research, so like I, I always, I, I don't, I feel like I come off as like, oh, did you know this? And it's because I've done hours and hours of mm-hmm. research, and like Amanda, will, my wife, will text me like, hey, did you know that like this, that, and the third? Yeah, and I'd be like, oh no, I didn't know that. And I'm like, yeah, trying to switch lanes on the highway, but I'm very much invested in the information that goes into the show. I like that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I want the show to be good. So. Um, let, let me ask you this. What do cows crave? Um, <laughs> electrolytes. <laughs> hey, who's got electrolytes? Brondo's got electrolytes. Let me ask you this. Do you think they know what electrolytes are? What are electrolytes in their terms? You know what I mean? Like, I what think, exactly is, is it? Just, it's just food salt. coloring? I think, it, salt. I, I think they just put salt yeah. in it at that point. I don't think yeah. they actually have any real electrolytes. I think, I think they went full circle back to, like, the... Because my dad said before Gatorade, like... The, his football coaches used to give them like I can't remember what type of salt, but like salt tablets um, wow. to replenish. So I think they went full circle back to just they were eating salt. smelling salts, not smelling salts, but they were like they would have like salt tablets with their water or something yeah. to like build it back up. But um, yeah, I don't think it's got to be like because a lot of the themes in Idiocracy is like some like the staples of their society are things that are passed down that they don't really yeah. understand. They still have a hospital, oh, totally. you know, like, but it's not, <laughs> I mean, hospital with right. the quotation marks. But, uh, <laughs> the letters, like, going down the side. Oh, like, that's what, oh, my God. Yeah. The, the, the small details <laughs> yeah. in that are so, so, so funny. But, yeah, I, I don't oh, yeah, think like, know well, what it so is. I, I was taking, like, whenever I watch the movie, I, I have to take notes. And, like, uh-huh. for instance, you know, Fuddruckers is buttfuckers. buttfuckers. Yeah, I know. I love how it just, uh, the, the, <laughs> it just keeps changing yeah, more and more and more. Motif, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jack in a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, Intelli. Google my Google, which sounds like a sex cam site, the way they put it up. Carl's Jr. is the same. Oh, yeah. That's always the that's the, the logo got angrier, though. Right. Yes, it did, yeah. <laughs> Costco, also the same, but fucking mega huge. And, like, you can get a law degree there, and there's mm-hmm. still a fucking tire section. Well, uh, <laughs> they, and it's funny. They had the, yeah, Carl's Jr. had the, uh, the fuck you, I'm eating slogan. Yeah. Which, and, and I've said this a bunch of times, and uh, we're already in idiocracy. Mm-hmm. We're already doing it. Oh, because, I sure mean, there was, like, a Red Robin commercial, like, a year or so ago, and they said, they said it's fucking great, but they, they bleeped it, of course. But it's, like, it's the same thing. Right. It's the exact same thing. Well, it's playing on, like, you know, the, the most formidable portions of our psyche insofar as that, like, you know, when you learn to curse, you're a kid, and like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. You know, big-ass fries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I also love cholesterol. Uh, uh, and then the last one is, is Starbucks, but obviously they don't sell. <laughs> yeah, the, the the full body latte full release body latte, or whatever. Yeah, extra foam only costs five hundred million dollars. Oh, like inflation is so insane. Which brings me to probably my, one of my. It's so hard to pinpoint a favorite line in the movie, but one of my favorites is, "You like money and sex? You're blowing my mind." <laughs> we should hang out. Yeah, we should. Yeah, when he's talking to the camera guy, uh-huh. and they're like supposed to be going to show everybody the crops. Yeah, the crops. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I, I played that scene at the end of last week's episode because I always say, you know, like next week I'm talking with so and so at so and so about what have you super descriptive uh next week it'll be kelly Irwin at firkin about mars attacks there there you go audience so you'll hear that again in a little bit uh if this even makes the interview cut but at any rate um let me ask you this what is your first exposure to the film idiocracy like did you see it on tv did you see it at friend's house did you see it in theaters it it got pretty low numbers in theaters yeah yeah i i heard yeah i heard that i i caught it on dvd a few years later i did it had to have been like, I think I saw it on Comedy Central, probably maybe. like in its in its first you know iteration, and mm-hmm. probably on DVD or streaming service. I've later owned on. the DVD for a while. I think it was about 2010. I want to say so. I caught it about five years after. Okay, it yeah, it was 2006. Out. I think. Oh, it was. 2000, oh yeah, 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 five, four or five yeah, years. Four, ago. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> my dad is a teacher. And I watched it with him, and he had to leave the room. He's like, "This is a horror movie to Was me." He's like, "Flashbacks, to yeah." His his kid, well, and he also he also taught kids with learning disabilities and mm-hmm. stuff. So he's like, "Oh my god, this is a nightmare." He's like, "This is triggering so, so much." Hard, I mean, yeah. but he loved it still. Like he would laugh at it, but then he'd be like, "Oh my god," he's like, "This is yeah." He's like, "This is already happening." Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the kids in his class with the name McLovin, yeah, without. <laughs> Any irony, just like that's you know, that's their name. Yeah, yeah. that's their actual name. <laughs> now he had like, 
I always used to say my dad was like the last barrier for a lot of these kids before they either go to jail or they like. And he turned around a couple of kids, but he's it was so hard oh, to captain, reach a lot captain. of them. Oh yeah, kind of, kind of that. And yeah. he's not not quite as inspiring, I don't think. But <laughs> he let a lot of kids take naps in his class. So. With an East Los Angeles, like, no, 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 Chicano accent. How, how do I reach these kids? <laughs> I always think of Cartman. How yeah, do yeah. I reach these kids? <laughs> So, uh, how, are you a serial watcher? How many times have you seen? The oh, movie? it's I watch it at least once a year. Um, I've seen it probably twice last year. Yeah, uh, I watched it again before the podcast. Obviously, it's one of those ones to keep you. It's good to keep you centered. You know, You're like oh, I I, I got to change a couple things about my life because mm-hmm. like I would definitely be caught eating way too much nacho cheese on a Thursday afternoon. I would love for there to be a Baton channel. Oh, <laughs> I want him, I want that chair. Yeah. I want the toilet the chair. The toilet chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a feed tube. There's a feed tube, yeah, with like a nipple on the end of it, basically. You're literally, you, like, he's literally created a perpetual motion machine with that. Yeah. He's just well, he's Dax, pooping in the toilet. Dax Shepard yeah. is such a great actor for yeah, that role. Amazing. I mean, I think he's super funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's, they saw him on Punked. Oh, that's where he and got that's, the role that's from? Where they were like, oh, he plays the guy really well. You know, whatever that the guy is that he happens to be playing. Um, so, with, with that being said, which character do you, do you identify with the most and why? <laughs> I would say that's a tough one. Uh, and... <laughs> I kind of I kind of love the guy. I don't really I don't know if I identify with him necessarily, but I love the guy um, who's at the gunner seat. <laughs> he's on the cabinet. And he's at that gunner seat in the oh, in the, right. pre- the presidential yeah. cavalcade or whatever. He's the um, I don't know if Secretary he has Secretary of Defense. The Secretary, Secretary of Defense. Defense. Yeah, and he, and and all of them are like he's a little slow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, a, no, he's a Secretary of Education. Oh, that's right. He was and, the and dumbest the, one. Yeah, but yeah. he happens to be on the turret at the top of the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love that guy. I don't know if I relate to him, but no, so it's hard to say who I would relate to. I um. No, that's a hard. That's a that's yeah. a loaded question. Um, I mean, yeah, because it's like your choices are dumb, <laughs> dumbest, Super and dumb. dumb. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, probably I love money and sex, so I gotta say, well, I, uh, I, I relate to Dax Shepard's character. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I got my degree at a Costco like institution as well, at nice. Portland Community College. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, no, shout out Killingsworth Campus, multimedia in the house, <laughs> making me. Digital stuff. You said Camacho is yours. I, I was I was gonna say Camacho, but like at the end of the day, because like my first degree is in broadcasting, mm-hmm. uh, the quality of this podcast does not reflect that. <laughs> However, uh, my first degree is is in broadcasting, and uh, I, I reflect or I, I uh, connect most with the announcer. For the arena shit. Oh yeah, that's why I was like Kyle Adams, yeah. <laughs> President Camacho. He's coming out. You know, like, like that guy is my fucking hero. And I, in later episodes of uh, American Dad, Sky Crooner mm-hmm. is also another favorite of mine, uh, just because it's that like ridiculous, over the top radio personality that's catered to dumb people. Yeah, and I know that I could fucking blurt that out so well if you were to give me the script like for the Brondo commercial yeah oh man I would I would be at least top 10 that's great because I get into it so much like I I just love that guy Mm -hmm. you know we kind of went over this earlier but do you have a favorite scene in the movie uh it's you know it's really tough to say uh I would probably say the the most quoted thing from it at least for me is uh welcome to costco i love you <laughs> which i love um that's a great scene uh i there's so many to choose from that i really like i think i think the car I, if i have to pick one for sure though that always makes me laugh no matter how many time i watch watch it is the carl's jr scene yeah. where they they spray <laughs> they, they spray that like deterrent you're, you're into that an unfit face. mother yeah you're an unfit mother yeah. your children are now in the custody of Carl's Jr. yeah that's that's <laughs> my favorite scene by yeah. far yeah that's, that's a so good one yeah. well and, and then the one the subsequent scene where Maya Rudolph is like playing that dude he's like ooh I could wait all day I'll wait two days and just like pays her out it's just like 
that's how dumb people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody, everybody's shirt has um, at least logos, know, on, logos it, yeah. on it. Logos on it. They look like NASCAR drivers, right? Yeah. And like <laughs> if you if you're a professional, you have a shirt a lot of, that says what you do on the side of it. You know, like attorney at law. It's like attorney with two E's instead of yeah. E-Y. Like, yeah, it's um. The little details are really what sell it. There's so many. There's yeah. so many little Easter eggs to catch. And yeah, stuff. for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, when was the last time that you saw the movie? Uh, it was like a week ago. Okay, I watched it again. Yeah. yeah. Did you watch it with anybody? I watched. I, I, I watched it with, with my, my dad wife. again. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched you, it with my dad again. Okay. He, nice. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I can, I can enjoy this more now that I'm retired. Yeah. But when he, <laughs> when he first saw it while he was still teaching, he could not stay in the room for it. Like. He would laugh at certain parts, but he's like, I got to get out of here. Right. Yeah. Well, um, it, yeah, it's triggering for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I watched it with my wife for the first yeah. time, and she was she thought it was funny. But it, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, like when we were watching the credits, and, and by the way, I don't know if you, it, maybe it's like newer versions, but. When Upgrade when shows up? up. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Okay, so I'll talk about that. I, I hadn't seen that. Part I had until like a year or two ago. I didn't realize it was in it, but it's perfect yeah. because she was like, "Yeah, he's gonna make Super his way." Five hundred yeah. years later, he was gonna make his way through. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and he did, which is <laughs> which is just fantastic. Well, and it's funny because he, he comes out of like the same pile. Yeah, which presumably after she went to sleep, he was like, "Now nah, I got to keep an eye on her," mm-hmm. and like <laughs> submitted himself to the army treatment as well. I also loved that um, when she was looking to see if he was there in the phone book, there was like, right. was it like 40 42 upgrades? upgrades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I'm Was sure, that Kathy and sure Jimmy? Well. Was that Kathy and Jimmy in the voice? Because it sounded a little like Peggy. I, I heard a little Peggy in that oh, voice. Wow. Upgrade. Oh, <laughs> like the, the Southern. You know, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, was, was Brittany, Brittany Murphy was dead by that point, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly, because, I mean, well, what, King of the, the Hill went to like, 2007, right? Right, but was she in all of the final episodes? That's true. I'm and, not and sure. Because uh, also R.I.P. Um, Tom Petty. Yeah. They played Lucky, yeah. Uh, I, I did not like, I didn't like that storyline at first, but then I went and, because I've, I've done a few rewatches of King of the Hill, and uh, Lucky is actually a pretty great character. <laughs> it took me a while to, to come around to him. But. I can't think of a single thing that Mike Judge has been involved in that I didn't like. It's all very comforting to me. It feels like watching Mike Judge stuff feels like eating mac and cheese to me. Sure. It's like a like a comfort viewing. Um, but well, it's somebody telling you that you're not crazy. Yeah, you know, it, he, he's like, yeah, I see these faux pas in society too, and I'm gonna make something that's gonna put it right on its face mm-hmm. and digestible to anyone, whether it's comfortable or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's something that he does really well. I, you know, I'm sure he was in a punk rock phase when he did uh, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. But, you know, like, Office Space speaks to so many social, you know, kind of uh, wishes. Like, I wish I could rip off the system. Mm-hmm. And then that fear of, like, oh, shit, I didn't cross every T and dot every I. Now I'm getting fucked for it. Mm-hmm. You know, fear of... You know, and that's what keeps people in line, ultimately, is that fear of the system or of the state. I think he, he taught... I think that's what his... You know, outlook on uh, uh, Hank Hill. <laughs> Hank Hill. That's mm-hmm. um, all, all I can hear in, in the back of my man, of my mind is uh, propane and propane accessories. Propane. So I couldn't like bring his name <laughs> to the forefront of my brain. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, but I, I think that he's a critique on that person, right? Like that American guy who's still trying to hold on to the American dream and. You know, has to make concessions whether they like it or not toward the progress of people, whether it be their wife, Peggy, or Bobby. Bobby yeah. yeah, I would say Bobby more so because, you know, much like John Wayne Gacy's father, Hank Hill had like this outlook of Bobby to be like, you know, he's always excited when he does like manly or boyish things as opposed to like tap dancing and fucking crocheting. His weird like avant garde right. comedy phase. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, one yeah. of my favorite episodes. I love I love Hank Hill uh, in a lot of ways. He's a great character. He's like, I've always said he is what Republicans say they are on paper, but he represents. He's kind of like the cream dream of Republican. But he's at the end of the day, he's a pretty open minded guy. Mm. It just he's very uncomfortable with intimacy and connections and stuff. Oh, but for sure. I don't think he has any hate in his heart at all. No, he's, he's got he's got 
he's definitely judgmental in some cases, and he's got disdain for certain Ooh. things. But yeah, oh, God, but, <laughs> yeah it, well, but that's that's more so of like a shock of the, the change of times. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if he, if he was a piece of shit, he'd be like a McCarthyist yeah. figure. I don't know, think like, he would have voted for Trump, and that's a question. No, that's a yeah. question that a lot of people have asked. Like, what, oh, he would have been a Trump supporter. I, I don't think he would have. I bet that's a thick Reddit thread. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. I don't. I don't think he would have voted for Trump. I mean, he didn't. He didn't want to vote for George W. Or, uh, yeah, George W. Bush in one episode because he had a right. weak handshake. <laughs> like, right. So, I mean, yeah, he's going to see a lot of weaknesses in Trump's character. Oh, so. for sure he is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the last person that I think that he would openly vote for would be probably Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah. You know? He'd be like, yeah, I like Dwight. Mm-hmm. Or I like Ike, <laughs> rather. Mm-hmm. We like Ike. Yeah, I, I mean, it might judge. He, he has a knack for, you know, taking things that we all think of that are silly or less than and making it relatable mm-hmm. yeah it, it, because he makes you think oh what would I do in that situation or how would I feel or what would my perception of this person or this outcome be mm-hmm. and I, I you know I think that's what makes him a, a pretty prolific writer producer or just content creator in general if, if you sit and, and watch interviews of him he's not some goofy dude you know who just like shoots answers off from the hip Mm-hmm. Much like this podcast, he's like a, he's he puts thought and effort into the content that he creates and the answers that he wants to give to people because he knows that they're going to ask about oh what was your inspiration or you know like what was uh, you know the driving force behind creating X Y Z you know and you can ask that of any of his pieces that he's made or or series that he's made movies what have you mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I'm curious I, I I don't know if he's if he's written any memoirs or anything to that effect but I'd be curious to read them yeah it, he, he seems kind of like a Hunter S. Thompson like Gonzo-esque figure mm-hmm. you know making the the stuff that has been considered counterculture for so long I mean it, like a lot uh, I can't think of one mainstream thing that he's done mm-hmm. and even in the mainstream like MTV it was considered counterculture and so far as Beavis and Butthead like, oh and he upset so many people with that so many <laughs> people I mean like dude Tipper Gore was probably fucking yeah, when she didn't have a white on for uh, uh, Ted Kennedy's or other, what was the, the explicit content? Oh, Mortal Kombat was real that, Kombat, thing during that yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was oh, the definitely. first. That was the first time they vilified video games right. too. That was all tapped into that early word, fatality. fatality. Yeah, because there were other video games that, that involved fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but this one was like oh like the, like the finality with it. It was like. Okay, and then that uh, that idea persisted throughout the late '80s, early '90s, even into the early 2000s. And so far as like you know, video games and violent things on film are affecting children, which to the to some degree they they were and are mm-hmm. and do and will, but to the degree that they were attributed, I would I would not say anywhere no. close. I think you got to have that in you to begin with, because some because yeah. I mean I, I know it's it's nature versus nurture. Yeah, there has to be some nurture. Yeah, there's got to be a little calm, a little, a little bit of nature to be nurtured. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the that's an argument I have with a lot of people about serial killers, mm-hmm. you know, or sadists or tyrants or you know, basically anybody in, in a position of power. What drives you to have that position of power? Yeah, at the end of the day, we want to we want to think that it's a, a altruistic thing, but there is some sort of drive. Oh yeah, you know whether that drive is personal or social remains to be seen from the actions or interpreted by the actions of that person. But you know, it, again, another thing that Mike just touches on. Yeah, you know, we have we have the straight and narrow white picket fence American guy of Hank Hill versus. You know, uh, in office space where he's done everything right, uh, you know, and, and is played by the book, and he's like, you know what, fuck it, like we're smart enough, let's try to get over on the system, mm-hmm. or a dude who's like, I'm just an average guy, I don't have anything special, but then ends up in a situation where he's the smartest guy on the planet. You know, it's it, he, he he's always had this way of saying like, okay, like even though you are an individual against this whole system, you bring something to the table, mm-hmm. and you matter. And that's something that I've always appreciated about Mike Judge and his content. Even though it's silly, if, if you were to really uncover the, the underside of what he's trying to, and, and it's evident in his interviews, he, he wants to have content that's relatable to every person. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel broad. 
It, it is, it, but it does capture a broad audience. Yeah, it seems yeah, genuine. It's yeah. definitely not forced. It's all, it's all yeah. very heartfelt. And, right. Um, have you seen Extract? No. Have you seen, oh, Extract is a good one, too. I'll put um, it on the list. Yeah, that's um, Jason Bateman, uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, Love you some Bateman. Yeah, and uh, Mila Kunis is in that one, too. And uh, Love uh, Kirsten Wig. Yeah, and Michael Co- Cochner has a really good little cameo. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it Michael? I always forget his. Or Dave, is it Dave Cochner, the guy from um, Dave Kechner? Kechner, yeah. Kechner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just adding names to him. No, no. He's, <laughs> he, I love. He's he's a great. He's one of those character actors where like right. you like you just like can't Rob remember. Riggle. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you just, just pop him in there and just be like ah. But that was another one. Um, that one has to do with um, similar stuff. Uh, so there's a work workplace accident. And um, basically, the guy who was in the workplace accident is being manipulated by Mila Kunis to sue the company, and uh, Jason Bateman has to deal with that. Basically, and he's got other stuff going on with his wife and stuff. But it's it's very very you know accessible, like broad stuff like that. But it's it's kind of yeah, fighting the system kind of stuff too, and just the ridiculousness of parts of society. Yeah. You know. Well, and that that's another Mike Judge piece? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that okay. one was like 2010 or 2011. That okay. was one of the last ones he did, or the later ones he did. Yeah, I've, I've been so ingrained in Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Idiocracy is still yeah. probably my favorite thing he's done. And, and you, every time you watch it, you kind of see something that you are that you didn't notice either before or weren't you know having in your mindset, and now you see it and you're like, oh, shit, like, that's so funny how it's like, like my, my wife works for Intel, mm-hmm. uh, and it, like Intelli is the computer company, yeah. you know, like, it's, it, but it's, like, not quite intelligence, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a, another, you know, commentary on where they're at as a society, where it's, like, we have these things, we call them electrolytes, but what are the, you know, it's, it's all we know is that it's what plants crave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all we know. That's it. Um, so where can we see you perform next? I am going to be at uh, Cruise Room on Thursday, and um, yeah, so J- yeah, January 6th I'll be at Cruise Room off of Alberta Street, and that's a great show run by uh, Rob Robbie and Rochelle yep. Cochran. Yep. One of my favorite shows in town. It's just always great audience and a good time. I'm excited for that one. And then um, I'm going to get to do my first long set at Tacoma Comedy Club later this month, so I'm really oh, excited. Nice. So the 23rd, I'm doing Roast of Mania oh, out there. Congrats. So I'm going to do a 10-minute set, and then I get to uh, roast one of my favorite people in the world, Ty Boyce. So that'll be, oh, nice. <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun. Nice, yeah. nice. So it's like a Friar Club kind of roast? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Battle. Yeah, it'll be, oh, it will be a roast battle. I think, I think you can do roasts about some of the other people, but I don't really – they're Tacoma people, so I, I only know sure. a little bit about them. So right. You can only do so many taxidermy jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, you, this guy taxidermizes roadkill like none other. Let me tell you about this guy. All right. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for meeting with me. I'm looking forward to doing this mic here at Kelly's. Yep. Um, still hella early, but that's that's how we do. What does it start at 3.30? 3.30 for sign up, yeah. 3.30 for sign up. So um, I guess let's we'll go consume some beers in the meantime. Yep, sounds good, man. I appreciate cool. you having me. Thanks, man. Yep. Hey, since we're on the topic of Kyle Adams, check out part of his set at the Kelly's Olympian mic. He was super funny and totally brought the house down. Never been around a gator ever, and you can, it's that distinctive. You're like, oh, that's gator piss. That's exactly, catalogs immediately in your brain. Um, <laughs> I'm trying my best to look like I'm not from Florida. I don't know if you get that from what I'm saying with this. Like, I've been here the whole time. I, I will pour IPA all over my chest hair. I will I will wear all the flannel. I'm from, I'm from this area. Uh, no, I am from Florida, unfortunately. Um, Sabrina was talking about Titanic. Titanic was a big, uh, was a big movie for me. That was the first time I saw boobs. That was fantastic. Yeah, dude. Yeah. 1997 was the year I was nine years old. Um, I saw the movie twice in theaters. The first time I saw it, my mom covered my eyes, though. She covered my eyes when it happened. And the second time I went and saw it in theaters, I formulated a plan, is what I did. Uh, my, my mom took me for a second time, and I realized that the moment that Kate Winslet said the word French girls, that meant I had to run to the front of the audience. Like, I had to... So I hear the word, I hear the word French girls, and my mom comes in to cover my eyes again, and I juke my mom. <laughs> I didn't stiff arm her. That would have been rude. That would have been a little too aggressive. But I do think at the same time, my mom was like, man, signing him up for Pee Wee football really came back to bite me in the ass. He's got some moves. 
And I, I sprint to the front row, and there's just a bunch of other pervy nine-year-olds like me, <laughs> sitting there like elderly men at a sports bar. They're like, you know what time it is? This is a... My mom came up to the front. My mom came up to the front and tried to peel me off the seat, and I looked her in the eyes and I said, I've never let it go. That's what I told uh, another fun thing about Titanic is I legit loved the Celine Dion song, and I sang it for a talent show that year, and I, in Florida, so, it, so a ten-year-old boy, or a nine-year-old boy singing the Titanic theme song for a talent show in Florida, a lot of people's dads called me gay. That's, uh, that's how that happened. I got heckled. First time I ever bombed on stage. But the ironic thing about it is I only really loved that song because I associated it with boobs. And so I stuff. It's like, it was very straight in my mind. I was like, no, that's the song that comes on when I see boobs. That's a great song. I don't know how that makes me gay. I have sucked a dick before, though. That is true. I'm a straight dude. That sometimes gets booze in Portland. I, uh, <laughs> it's not illegal yet. I, uh, I haven't voted in a while, but I don't know if it's on the docket. It's, uh, <laughs> now I'm a straight dude who sucked a dick. Anyone else want to come forward? It's a safe space. I can't be the only one. They called it playing doctor. That's what they called it. They said, said you're just playing doctor. I don't know what doctor sucks dick on the clock, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's a podiatrist. Is, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, you're into food. I don't know what else you're into. I'm not judging. But. I suck dick and I didn't like it. That's how I know I'm not gay. Like, I don't think you can sit there and say you're a straight dude without ever putting dick in your mouth. Like, you, I did the dick, <laughs> I did my dick diligence. <laughs> and it was not my cup of D, as it were. It was not. <laughs> I think sucking dick is a lot like cilantro. It's not for everyone. It's, and when I did it, it tasted like soap. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I eat pussy too, I'm a people pleaser. I, uh, <laughs> you gotta eat that flappy hole, gentlemen. You gotta eat that flappy. Is that, is that not the most unappetizing word for vagina you've ever heard? I, uh, I was going down on a lady I've had a crush on for a very long time. I, I really like this lady. I finally got to hook up with her, and I was going down on her, and she farted in my face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you ever made a wish on a monkey's paw before? Like, <laughs> not like this. I don't know what was worse. I don't know if it was worse that she called attention to it, which is bad. Because, ladies, I'm a professional. If that happens when I'm going down on you, I'm going to finish the job. I've worked in worse conditions before. I've, I've worked in a Red Robin, okay? Uh, don't call attention to it. Uh, and number two, which I actually think was worse, she called it a toot. She said, sorry I tooted. And my dick went back inside of me. <laughs> I didn't know I could do that. That was cool. Uh, all right, thank you so much for your time, everybody. I appreciate it. You can catch Kyle at various shows around Portland and in Salem, Oregon. I'm definitely looking forward to doing some shows down there with him this year in 2022. It's now time for your water cooler fact. As you're either well aware or blissfully ignorant of the fact that idiocracy is one of the best forms of satire available, there are some points in the film that are actually pretty on point. For instance, when Joe scores the highest on the IQ test given out by the prison during his intake, he is subsequently captured after his ingenious escape and is brought to the White House, which is oddly reminiscent of a recent president's front lawn, what with the people camped out in front chanting about end times from their double-wide trailers. At any rate, uh, Joe is thrust into the position of Secretary of the Interior, which is quite possibly one of the best underhanded references in a Mike Judge movie ever. Uh, for those unfamiliar with what the position of the Secretary of the Interior entails, it is as follows. In consultation with Congress and the White House, the Secretary of the Interior manages use of public lands, prevents exploitation of natural resources, maintains national parks and national monuments, and implements other various forms of environmental protection which makes his appointment actually accurate in Camacho's attempt 
to fix the issues with crops and the Dust Bowl at large. This is perhaps the smartest thing that happens in the entire movie. Something to think about. Or not. I don't want to ask you to lend any additional brain power, but if you have it, it's something to think about. If I didn't need to make money, I'd talk about idiocracy all damn day. Well, until it's time for some baiting and ow my balls. But otherwise, I'm all out of Brondo and the various cancers that must result from the massive intake of Brondo and zero water in the year of 2505. But before I forget due to overconsumption of Brondo, I'd like to thank the sources for today's episode, being Screen Rant, Mental Floss, and Crack.com. Thank you for being nerds and sharing your vast nerd knowledge with us, the populace. And I'd also like to thank my wife and research partner, Amanda, without whom this would never be possible. Next week, however, I am all Mars attack, ack, 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 and I'll be meeting up with the very funny Kelly Irwin to talk about the Tim Burton experience that is Mars Attacks, either at the Firkins Lounge mic she hosts on Tuesdays or over the phone due to this pesky Omicron variant. We try and stay quote-unquote healthy here in Portland comedy scene, and whatever that means or entails, uh, because at the end of the day, we might say horrible and reprehensible things, but we do it in good fun, and as we know, there is no medicine better than laughter, save actual vaccination and modern medicine. Please go take care of yourselves and your loved ones this season with all of the ickiness spreading around. Thank you so much for tuning in to this year's first episode in 2022. You can continue to hear Science Factual every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. You're listening to ShadyPinesRadio.com. Here's the lineup for Tuesdays. Starting at 10 a.m., Emotional Weather Report with Jamie Stewart. At 11 a.m., Beet Salad with Mason O'Brien. The Blue Hour with Blue Adams at noon. The Prague Hour with Reagan Lindy at 2 p.m. At 4 p.m., Cosmic Taco Beat Chef with Big Papa Warrior. No Dancing Please with Elrond Hubbard at 5 p.m. Toasty Tunes with Alex Toast at 6 p.m. At 8 p.m., Radio Seance with your psychic friends with Oskin and Mag. At 9 p.m., Fresh Unoriginal with DJ Wineglass. And at 10 p.m., Turntable Talk with Chili and Bass. No matter the day or time, you've picked the right time to listen in. Thanks for listening, and tell others. Shady Pines Radio. Now, General, you may speak. Greetings. I am General Casey, commanding officer of the armed forces of the United States of America. On behalf of the people of Earth, welcome. You did that well. Peace. We come in peace. They came in peace.